You can support Perch by giving via text or give online at our, on our website or Venmo. All right, so we are starting up in a new series this week uh, called Open. Okay, Open. Um, just being more open to what God wants to reveal to you, how God wants to grow you and shape you and mold you and all that good stuff. And today we're talking about one of our four core values of our church, which is open-minded. Um, this is really important for our church. We believe that in order for any following, uh, any follower of Jesus Christ to be spiritually healthy and to grow is to be open-minded. It's like a non-negotiable, okay? Um, and I was thinking about uh, times when my closed-mindedness was challenged, right? And there, were, there have been many times. Um, but one example that came to mind uh, what happened at the hospital about a year ago, okay? So um, when I do my visits, I, my chaplain visits, I just have a list of names, um, their age, their religious background, and um, just like a really basic diagnosis of their um, condition, like why they're at the hospital. So I, I got this, the name of this uh, one young woman and uh, it said that she was Buddhist, and um, I forgot what the condition was, why she was there, because it was a year ago. Uh, let's just call her Abby, all right? Let's just call her Abby. So I, I never know what to expect when I go into a patient's room at the hospital. Um, sometimes they could be sleeping, sometimes they could be wide awake and welcome my visit. Sometimes they could like cuss me out and tell me to get out of the room, right? I never know, right? So. This uh, one particular visit, I went into the patient's room and I was kind of surprised because there was another young woman who was lying down in her bed with her, right? And it was her partner. And so I was like, that's because you're, you're not supposed to do that at the hospital, okay? You're not supposed to have more than one person in the bed with you. So I was like, a little surprised. I was like, oh, oh uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. And uh, Abby, the patient, she was um, a little bit. Uh, skeptical, right? She's like, who are you? <laughs> and I said, oh, um, my name is Al. I'm one of the chaplains here at the hospital. We provide spiritual, religious, and emotional support. And I'm part of the care team. How are you feeling today? And Abby was immediately resistant. She's like, no, chaplain, no, 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 get out, right? I was like, oh, oh okay, okay, no problem. But her partner, her girlfriend, said, babe, babe. <laughs> <laughs> she said, no, let us stay. Let's just talk to them a little bit, okay? She's like, no, 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 I, I hate religious people, right? And so, uh, and they're going back and forth, like, I'm standing there, like, uh, should I, should I stay? Should I right? Uh, what do I do, right? And they're having this full-on conversation. She's like, you can't judge everyone based on your past experiences, right? And he's like, fine. All right, what do you want? And so their relationship was really cute. That was kind of like their dynamic, you know? Uh, Abby was like the more serious one, and um, her partner, let's call her Cherry, I don't know, <laughs> I don't remember what her name was, okay, let's call her Cherry, okay, Abby and Cherry. Uh, Cherry was like really bright and bubbly, right, and like really smiling, and Abby was like, very serious, very serious. Like, what do you want, right? I'm like, oh, I just wanted to check in with you and see how you're feeling, right? How's your staying at the hospital? Like, oh, it's all right, you know, and I was like, how are you feeling physically? And, we were like small talking, eventually one thing leads to another, 
And she talks about why she is so anti-religion, right? specifically like anti-Christian. And she grew up in this really controlling family. Um, her dad was a pastor and her mom was very controlling and they would like try to dictate all of her behaviors and moods and all that stuff, right? And uh, control everything that she did, right? And then, and she's always known she was gay. Right? She's always known she was gay. Um, and so she like always like kept that to herself. And it wasn't until she was like in her mid twenties that she finally like came out and like told her parents. And you can imagine like how livid they were. And uh, they kicked her out of the house and they haven't talked to her like, since. And she's, when I visited her, she was like in her mid thirties, right? And her girlfriend was around the same age, right? So she hasn't talked to her parents in almost 10 years. And she really resented them for that. And so she uh, also denounced Christianity and she became Buddhist, right? And she was like um, experiencing some healing from her Buddhist practices, but also she couldn't like shake off this like nagging feeling that God is real and that God still loves her. She shared all of this stuff with me. When in the beginning, she told me to like get out of the room, right? I was like, she's like, this is amazing, right? And I also remembered, um, I was wearing this like jacket, um, this like blazer, uh, um, and it was the same jacket that I was wearing when I was working at the other hospital, which is this hospital in um, Arcadia, Methodist Hospital. And they have resources for Buddhist patients because uh, the Chinese population in Arcadia is a little big, so there's a lot more Buddhist patients there, uh, but not in the London hospital where I work uh, more. But I just happened to be wearing this jacket and I, I looked in my breast pocket and I pulled out this card for Buddhist patients. I was like, oh my gosh, I have this card. And it's a picture of um, a statue of King Buddha and on the back there's this explanation of uh, who the healing Buddha is and um, what the healing Buddha statue represents. And I gave it to her. I was like, would you like this card? And she took it, she's like, this isn't Adventist. <laughs> this isn't Christian. I was like, no, it's not. I just happened to have it in my pocket from the hospital right And she started crying. She's like, are you Buddhist? <laughs> I said, no, I'm not. I'm actually a Christian. I'm actually a pastor too of a little church. And she said, then why are you giving me this? She was so confused, right? And I was like, because you're Buddhist and I want to respect your values and your beliefs. And her girlfriend was just like quiet and also just watching all this happen, my interaction with her. And her girlfriend was like crying pretty much the whole time. <laughs> and, uh, and then Abby started crying a little bit. And it was like this beautiful, like shared moment I, I would like to say it was spiritual, but I don't think, um, so that I'm 42 now, this happened about a year ago, it happened when I was 41. Um, I don't think 31-year-old Al would have acted that same way. In the past 10 years, um, I have experienced so many things and I have argued with so many people, I have I've had so many debates, I've heard so many different stories and perspectives it's, it's impossible for me to remain close-minded and narrow-minded after having been exposed to all of these people and all of these stories. And I'm realizing that being open-minded is a much better place to be 
It's a healthier place to be. And it challenges me to grow in my spirit even more. And in that specific visit that I had with Abby, um, I realized the, the important thing wasn't for me to prove myself right. The important thing for me was to see her, to listen to her, and to know her. Namely, to love her. To make sure that she feels loved and supported. Even if I disagree with her. Right? Even if I disagree with her. And that only could have happened if she and I were both open-minded. You know, she was really resistant in the beginning, but something was stirring in her and then her girlfriend was encouraging her to just like give me a chance. And like, because she was willing to be open-minded and receive whatever came to her, um, we had this kind of a healing moment. And it was beautiful, it was beautiful. Uh, so for us, for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, um, what are some of the other benefits of being open-minded? Well, the central truth for today is this. Being open-minded is essential to spiritual health and growth. Being open-minded is essential to spiritual health and growth. And today we're going to look at a fairly longer passage. So um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 14. And uh, it's the whole chapter. I don't know if we're going to read the whole chapter today. Let's see if this is some part of it. Um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes again. So I'll just read it. So it's a good read. <laughs> so Romans 14. Um, yeah, so you could look on the screen, or for those of you watching online, I'll just read it first. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything does not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything does not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special, thus so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat, thus so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains, thus so to the Lord, and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your minds not to put any stumbling block or obstacle 
in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Let's make this is so soft. Uh, let's pray. Lord, as we um, dig into this chapter and explore this concept, this theme of open-mindedness, would you reveal in our hearts, the unexamined parts. That make us more narrow-minded, that keep us closed-minded, and prevent us from going beyond our comfort zones. Unfortunately, um, the word Christian or evangelical has been has become synonymous with bigotry. Narrow-mindedness and judgmentalism. Lord, help us to truly embrace the qualities that you desire for your followers to have, which is to be loving, empathetic, and open-minded. You want to bother someone All right, so today we're looking at the book of Romans. And Romans was an instructive letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome. And, it, and in it, Paul is clarifying what it means to be a true follower of Jesus Christ. Now, many people naturally assume that Paul is writing this letter to a church that he started, which is not the case. Uh, Rome, uh, the church in Rome was actually one of the churches that he did not start. And unlike the letters that he uh, wrote um, to churches like Corinth and Ephesus, uh, Rome was not the founder of the church in Rome. And this is why the book of Romans is one of the most didactic books in all of the Bible, because Paul is trying to correct, refocus, and reestablish what real faith looks like. So this is why Romans, the book of Romans is one of the most uh, theologically dense books in all of Scripture. So it wasn't him that started the church in Rome, but it was actually a group of Jewish Christians who started the church in Rome. And they, unfortunately, mixed up their Jewish faith, their Jewish heritage, their Jewish traditions with Christian faith. And so when there were Gentiles, um, which are non-Jews, who would join the church in Rome and become followers of Jesus Christ in Rome, uh, these Jewish Christians would tell them that they had to follow all these Jewish laws that had nothing to do with Jesus Christ. So they told them uh, men could shave their faces, you know, uh, they had to eat kosher foods, they had to like, uh, women had to dress a certain way, and all of these really strict uh, rules that were not Christian at all, right? So a lot of what today's passage is talking about is food. 
right? And this was one of the biggest points of contention in the church in Rome because non-Jews, people who came from like polytheistic Greco-Roman culture background, they would eat everything. They ate everything, okay? They ate shellfish, <laughs> they ate pork, right? Uh, they ate uh, everything and they, you know, they drank wine, you know, and, um, it was like they had no restrictions whatsoever on their diet. But for Jews, they had a lot of restrictions. And so just imagine you being uh, this like Greco-Roman person your entire life, and then you hear about Jesus Christ, and you like what Jesus is all about, and you like his teachings, and you hear that he performed all of these miracles, that he died on the cross, a death he shouldn't have died, and resurrected from the dead, and he wants to bring this eternal life and joy and peace to the entire world. And how wonderful that would be, right? And so you decide to give Jesus a try in the first century in Rome, and you join this church. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you're hearing, in order for you, <laughs> in order for you to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, you have to grow out your beard. <laughs> Women have to cover their heads, right? And, and you cannot eat bacon anymore. <laughs> right? And, and you cannot eat shrimp anymore or, or, or oysters. And so imagine how confusing that must be. Right? Imagine how confusing that must be. And so the non-Jews were angry, they're irritated, and they're judging the Jews who are trying to like teach them all of these things, and they're confused, right? Like, are we supposed to follow these rules or not? Right? And the Jews are judging and looking down on the non-Jews because they're not Jewish and they're not they don't, they don't look like them and they're not following their customs. And so there's this like big point of tension in the church in Rome. And this is specifically what Paul is addressing in Romans chapter 14. So the big gripe that Paul, who himself came from a Jewish background, he himself was a Jew, right? The big gripe that he had with the Jewish Christians is that they were teaching the non-Jews how to be religious. Not how to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. They were teaching these non-Jews how to be religious and not about relationship with God. And this is probably one of the biggest issues that we still have in the church today, right? Like the church is still trying to indoctrinate and proselytize uh, everyone to become just religious people, not to have a loving relationship with God, not to love their neighbors as themselves, okay? How to be religious, you have to follow these rules, okay? You have to be uh, conservative. You have to be pro-choice. You have to be like, uh, like against gay marriage. Right? You have to be all of these things. Like, and you have to follow these like all of these rules that are in, contained in this like little box, and that's it, right? Um, and what Paul might say to the church today is, if you believe that way, don't judge others who disagree with you. And for those of you who disagree with these people. Don't judge them because they don't see your point of view, right? If it works for them, it works for them. And if, it, if your views work for you, it works for you. But as long as you take it up to God and you are held accountable to God's standards and you are growing in your own spiritual uh, health and in your uh, spiritual um, uh, in your own in your own spiritual life, then God bless you. 
right? But don't try to like force others to see and believe everything that you believe, right? As long as we hold on to the non-negotiables of faith, which is things like um, the infallibility of the Bible, um, the Trinity, salvation through Jesus alone, that Jesus was um, had died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. Like there, there, there are those kinds of things that are non-negotiables. But things like abortion, <laughs> things like gay marriage, like you can disagree. Okay, and you can both still be Christian, right? You can still both love God and disagree on those like, secondary issues. Now, in this portion of Paul's letter to the church in Rome, uh, he is giving some very practical advice on how to live with other Christians who might disagree with you, okay? Uh, now, there are some words or areas uh, in today's passage that might seem confusing or maybe even derogatory, from the very beginning, right? From the very beginning, in verse one, it says, uh, "Accept the one whose faith is weak." Right? That sounds very kind of judgmental, doesn't it? But the problem is not with what Paul wrote. Okay, the problem is with our English translation. Okay, the actual word that Paul used can be better translated as in uh, English as limited. Except the one whose faith is limited or like limits them. So if they're Jewish Christians and they want to remain uh, sticking to their like Jewish culture and Jewish heritage and they want to remain uh, like they want to only eat kosher foods, right? God bless them, right? You know that if it works for them and it continues to work for them, that's great, okay? That means their faith is like limited to these kinds of rules, right? But for others, it's not. Right? So one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak, meaning like limited, eats only vegetables. And I don't know about you, but um, I still feel like <laughs> I get judged a lot. Uh, and I wish I could say it doesn't happen that much anymore, but it still does, okay? One recent example of how I you is uh, with my coworkers. I love them, right? My, co my other chaplain coworkers at the hospital where I work. Um, it's Adventist Health Atlanta, right? So most of the chaplains there are Seventh-day Adventists, right? And I don't know who Seventh-day Adventists are. They go to church on Saturday instead of Sunday. That's why they call Seventh-day. Um, and a lot of them, most of them, are extremely health conscious, right? They actually eat pretty much different foods, and they don't drink caffeine or alcohol. They don't touch that stuff, right? So when they when we're at an outing or anything like that, and uh, like we were this past Friday, and they see me eating shrimp, <laughs> they saw me eating shrimp, right? And, uh, and they're like, Ooh. <laughs> I was like, what? That's unclean, man. That's unclean. <laughs> I'm shut up. And I'm just like, yeah, eating the shrimp. And uh, I'll talk about like how I enjoy drinking alcohol. What? You're a pastor? And you drink alcohol? Yeah, I mean, I don't get drunk, but I'm just like, taste of beer. Oh, I don't understand you, man. So, like, I still experience this, you know, but I know that's where I'm coming from, and that's not where they're coming from, and so I really don't let it bother me all that much. And this was the one of the recurring themes for the church, you know, in the first century. Uh, and this is why uh, Paul said in verse 3, the one who eats everything was not treated with contempt, the one who does not. And the one who does not 
eat everything, was not judged for what he does, for God has accepted them, like both. Okay, God has accepted them both. And this goes beyond religion. This form of judgmentalism goes beyond religion, does not. Like for in LA, we have a lot of different cultures, we have, have a lot of different uh, ethnicities and backgrounds and religions and beliefs, right? And when you're around the wrong crowd, it's easy for you to feel judged, right? Like let's say you're around a bunch of hippies who only eat like organic food and only shop at markets like Erewhon, and uh, they see you eating McDonald's, like they're gonna judge you, right? They're gonna look at you like funny, right? And vice versa, if you're uh, like in the in the suburbs, right, and you're around a bunch of people who are just like normal people, right? And you're the one who is like really strict on your diet and like super healthy and like super hipster. Um, and everyone's eating McDonald's and you're the only one like eating an organic salad. They might look at you weird, right? So this goes beyond just religion, right? It goes beyond just religion. Everyone has the potential to judge each other. And the reason for that is narrow-mindedness, closed-mindedness. So in order for the believers in the Roman church to truly live as a community, Paul was challenging them to be more flexible and understanding. Ultimately, Paul was asking the Roman Christians to be open-minded. Now, uh, while there are a lot of benefits to being open-minded in today's chapter, uh, he lays out three main areas of growth for being open-minded. First, an open mind leads to humility. An open mind leads to humility. In verse 4, uh, it starts off by saying, who are you to judge? Have you ever said this to anyone? Who are you to judge? You can't judge me. Only God can judge me, right? Who are you to judge? And the reason why we say that is because we all have our faults, right? We all have our shortcomings and we all have our blind spots. So it's really hypocritical for any of us to judge anyone. And it's really hypocritical for anyone to judge us as well. Who are you to judge? And interestingly, this quote <laughs> comes directly from the Bible. And the Bible is, um, it's, uh, it's, it's almost like a, it's like a symbol of contempt for a lot of people. Oftentimes the Bible has been used as a form of control and manipulation for some people. Probably like that patient Abby I was talking about when she was growing up. Um, as a form of like rule book, right? And if you don't follow these rules, you're gonna burn in hell. <laughs> but what I believe, and uh, I'm more and more convinced of this as I'm getting older, the Bible is actually a mirror. It's a mirror. It, you, we read it, and instead of using it as a form of manipulation for other people, it's really supposed to be a mirror for us to take a good, long, hard look at ourselves. 
an honest look at ourselves. Right? So when we're talking about like you know judgmentalism, right? Like we're not supposed to say like, oh, who are the judgmental people in our lives, right? No, we're supposed to ask ourselves, how am I being judgmental? How am I being narrow-minded? Right? How am I being a bigot? It's not so that we can use it to judge other people. It's so that we can actually take a good, long, hard look at ourselves. To look at the unexamined parts in honesty. Basically, um, in the words of the great 21st century theologian Kendrick Lamar, be humble. Sit down. Be humble. Uh, to have an open mind is to admit that we really don't know as much as we think we do. And that's not difficult to admit, right? But really, like, if we remind ourselves that I might not know everything, um, it's easy or easier to have an open mind. And this quality of humility uh, is seen all throughout the scriptures. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing from conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in Matthew chapter 23, verse 12, uh, Jesus says, Whoever exalt, exalts himself will be humble, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Albert Einstein said, the measure of intelligence is the ability to change. The measure of intelligence is the ability to change. You show, you show me a person who's closed-minded, and I'll show you a person who can never change. It opens ourselves up to become more empathetic, and it's nearly impossible for a closed-minded person to become empathetic towards others who think, live, or behave differently. Which is why an open mind leads to an open heart. An open mind leads to an open heart. It's impossible for a closed-minded person to open his or her heart to others who think, live, or behave differently. A closed-minded person can only open his or her heart to someone who thinks, lives, and behaves in the same way that they do, right? So they keep their circle really close, like to who they are as a person. So it's like a bunch of lemmings <laughs> who are um, exactly the same. If a person surrounds himself or herself with others who don't challenge them or push them, they're eventually robbing themselves of having different types of relationships, uh, relationships that can challenge you and cause you to grow, relationships that can help you empathize with others who are different from you, and ultimately, relationships that can make your life far richer. Um, I found this picture on Instagram today from this account that I love following. You're busy begging God to change your situation, but God is busy trying to change you. So, um, I don't want to also give you this false impression that being open-minded is easy. Uh, being open-minded is 
typically uh, a lot more difficult than being closed-minded because uh, it means having relationships with people who disagree with you and can push back. But that's the best way that we can grow as human beings. If we surround ourselves with people who think, uh, believe, and behave exactly like we do, we're just going to stay complacent and not leave our comfort zones. I mentioned this book uh, a couple weeks ago um, by author uh, Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr is a Franciscan priest, and uh, he talks about the two halves of spiritual life in his book called Falling Upward. And he's now in, he was in his 60s when he wrote this book. And he said, um, as he gets older, he realizes he's becoming simultaneously more traditional and more progressive at the same time. And the reason why he's able to do that is because his heart is expanding. He describes his heart kind of like a container. And as he's getting older and he's like, being open to more and more relationships, different types of relationships, uh, this container gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And he can hold these seemingly contradicting views at the same time in his heart, in that space. I resonate with that a lot. As I'm getting older, I feel like I'm getting simultaneously more traditional and more progressive at the same time. And it kind of reminds me of, um, you guys remind, remember that movie, uh, Inside Out? Have you guys seen that movie, that Pixar? Uh, this is a total spoiler, right? But the whole movie takes place inside this teenager, um, her name's Riley, uh, in her head, right? And uh, she has these like five different emotions, right? Uh, joy, anger, um, disgust, fear, and sadness, yes, sadness, right? And each memory that she has, has a different color, right? And it's like represented by one of those five emotions, right? If it's joy, it'll be a, if it's a happy memory, it'll be yellow because joy, the character joy is yellow. If it's a, a gross memory, right? It'll be green because the character discuss is green. But in the end of the movie, um, as she's becoming a teenager and she's feeling like complex emotions, these memories are like a combination of like two colors, it's like yellow on one side and like uh, red on the other side, or she can experience both joy and anger at the same time, right? Or it's like um, blue on one side and green on the other side, or she can experience sadness and disgust at the same time. And this is what happens to us as we get older, is that we can actually hold these different conflicting emotions and even viewpoints in our hearts, because we're becoming more and more open-minded, which helps us to become more open-hearted. Having an open mind will weaken your own values, and that's the one thing that a lot of people are afraid of. Uh, you can be open-minded and still hold on to your values and your beliefs. There's this misconception out there that the more close-minded you are, the more firmly you hold on to your values. In fact, I think it's the exact opposite. I think closed-minded people remain closed-minded because they're afraid. They're afraid. They're afraid they're going to lose their humanity. <laughs> they're afraid they're going to lose their identity. Uh, but that's absolutely not true. You can be open-minded, still hold on to your beliefs, 
and still understand or someone who thinks and believes and behaves differently than you. And you can still empathize and you can still connect with that person. Later on in verse 14, uh, Apostle Paul says something almost shocking. He says, I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus Christ, that nothing is unclean in itself. Nothing is unclean in itself. Again, Paul is Jewish, right? He's coming from this Jewish background, and for him to say nothing is unclean is shocking. So he's saying, like, shrimp is not unclean, right? Pork is not unclean. Uh, clams, <laughs> uh, they're not unclean. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, for that person, it is unclean. Not for everyone, just that person, right? So when I was eating shrimp yesterday, on Friday, and my coworkers were like, looking at me like, that's unclean. I should have said, <laughs> Romans 14, 14, for you it's unclean, for me it's beautiful. For me, it's delicious. Um, pastor and author uh, Andy Stanley, uh, he said this, spirituality is determined by how much one loves, not how much one knows. Spirituality is determined by how much one loves, not how much one knows. The truth is, you're most likely not going to convert anyone to become a follower of Jesus Christ through reason, and winning an argument. You're not going to win anyone over to Jesus that way. We're going to win people over to Jesus by loving them, by listening to them, by hearing their point of view. They're not going to want to hear about your faith if you're not willing to hear their story, to hear about their lives, and their, to hear their perspectives. And ultimately, what we want our, our open minds to lead to is to lead to greater love. An open mind leads to greater love. And that's the last thing that this passage teaches us about an open mind. An open mind leads to greater love. How much difference do you think you can make in the world by only interacting with people who are just like you? So one example I'll give you is, um, uh, I, I'm Korean-American, right? And I grew up in a Korean Presbyterian church. And one thing I noticed um, growing up in that kind of setting is that, like, they don't really leave that bubble, right? Um, some of you might know what I'm talking about, right? They grow up in this kind of culture, in this kind of environment, and they don't, even as adults, they don't really leave that bubble. And so they'll marry someone that they grew up with, and they'll, like, go to a church that was either that exact same church that they grew up with or another church that's very similar, right? And um, they, they're only friends with other Korean Christians. And I'm, now I look back at that and I'm like, that's kind of weird. That's kind of, that's kind of gross. It's almost like, uh, it's almost like incest. <laughs> Where like, there, it's, you're, you don't live this, place of familiarity and comfort, and, um, and therefore, you never change, right? You never change, and like, you're never challenged, not really, you know? And your perspective, your worldview, just remains in this like little box. And the same thing probably can be said with like, white evangelical church culture too. There's a lot of people who grow up in that kind of circle and never leave that circle. 
right? Same thing can be said with like maybe black church too. Like there's a lot of people who grow up in that kind of environment and never leave that environment. And anyone who thinks differently than them is like uh, a bigot or a, or a heretic. In order for us to be a church that's reaching out to people who are unchurched, who are trying to share the love of God with people who desperately need to hear it, open-mindedness is absolutely essential, especially in LA, especially in 2022. So um, the reflection question I want to leave us all with is this, for us to kind of think about and ruminate on throughout this week. How is God challenging you to open your mind? How is God challenging you, you personally, to open your mind? Lord, I am so grateful for the experiences I was able to enjoy. relationships I am able to benefit from. Because as I have gotten older, I become more open. I wonder how many experiences and relationships I wasn't able to enjoy and benefit from when I was younger, when I was more close-minded. Lord, I pray that we would remain open-minded, remain open to becoming friends with people who disagree with us, remain open to being challenged, remain open to the possibility that we might not know everything, but in, that, in those spaces is when you grow us the most. Thank you so much for reminding us of this important perspective. And as we continue to live in more open-minded ways, would you reveal to us more and more your love, your heart, for your people. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All right, have a great week. Um, take some more snacks on your way out and let me know if you want to go to the dog.